Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TixBlitz.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TixBlitz.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Welcome all our listeners to the Halitech Hall Show. Uh, we had a lot to talk about today. Um, so much has been happening, and it seems like the world is changing its face every 48 uh, hours or so. Um, but uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about some NFL and Bears rumors. Um, the, the Obviously, we're still going to be talking for a while about the George Floyd tragedy uh, which is actually leading to some great changes uh, in in the minds of, of NFL owners and baseball owners and the players and their search for e- equality. And, and uh, the fact that, w- in my opinion, ultimately, we need to replace Black Lives Matter, White Lives Matter, Pink Lives Matter, Red Lives Matter, to all lives matter equally. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, and for our show, uh, for the, th- I believe, the third time as our guest on the Halitech Hall Show, uh, the one and only Wanda Weidman from Arthur Football has joined us. Wanda, good evening. Good evening, guys. And Mike, it's such a pleasure to be on your show. Good evening, Wanda. Thanks for joining us. Yep, absolutely, Wanda. The pleasure is always ours. You bring so much to the table. I, I wish you could be uh, on our show even more often than you have been. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. So over the last few days, there's been some rumors in the NFL, uh, according to, uh, and we talked about this before we started the recording live, um, some of the third-party tickets agencies uh, they're talking about uh, an expectation that that not just football but uh, all sporting events will not be played uh, with full audiences until maybe the first quarter of 2021, which would mean reduced attendances uh, in baseball when baseball starts. Football is expecting fans in the stands, so that's kind of a, a controversy there. A difference of opinion. Uh, so that's going to be it's going to be interesting watching NFL games with, you know, only 50 percent of, of the stands filled unless you're, you know, unless you're Jacksonville and Los Angeles. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's 
what is what is your take on on Wanda the what's going on with with how the the country is starting to reopen all even all but slowly well I think um you know it it might be a little soon in some cases but you know with this with the sporting events obviously they have to be very careful with you know with so many uh people together um but you know, one of the rumors I heard was that they were actually going to feed uh, crowd noise into the stadium um, for the players in the, in the games because a lot of players feed off of the, you know, the, the noise. And so that kind of gets their momentum going. So they, you know, they want to make sure that they have that and it's not a, a silent arena where they're playing. So, um you know, be interesting to see how that how that whole, whole thing goes. But it, it's going to be bizarre watching a game and seeing nobody in the stands uh, from the television set. So it's that's just weird. Have either of you had the occasion to watch any of the the Korean baseball that ESPN signed up to at least have some type of sports uh, broadcast? Nope. <laughs> no, <me. laughs> no, I haven't. So I don't, so, I, don't okay. I don't like baseball enough for that. <laughs> so a, a couple a couple of things. Um, number one, they have cheerleaders. Literally, they have they're in masks, um, and they're on top of the dugouts, and they're doing these 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 chants and cheers, and there's nobody in the stands. Which is, you know, comic point number one. Number two, some of the stadiums have now taken to be right behind home plate. The stands are littered with stuffed animals. Seriously, <laughs> teddy bears and Spider-Man and SpongeBob SquarePants and Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. I heard, I heard that some of them had blow-up dolls in the crowd for a while, but they they had to stop. Because <laughs> people, people were were offended by the by these uh, by these blow up uh, dolls for different purposes, I think, than what they were being used for. <laughs> the uh, and then the, uh, the the third point about these ga these games is um, the background noise that you normally hear at a baseball game when the when it's being broadcast. The, you know the, how the cr the crowd is mumbling and. And you hear it, maybe a vendor yell out in the in the middle of a uh, of a you know a play or whatever. That's been piped into the television broadcast. While the there's a a few two or three sometimes analysts um, talking about not just that game but anything about baseball, which. To me, is is the I'd rather just hear the ambient sounds of the crowd, rather than these guys talking about something that's not germane to what's happening on the field. So it's it's actually been kind of bizarre. It really sounds like it. <laughs> it it's been it's been, yeah, it's it's been interesting. It's like I said, it's uh, the sign of the times that we're in with this virus, and and uh, I just hope that uh, that it ends. Uh, sooner, sooner than later, uh, the NFL is getting back to work. Uh, most, if not all, of the facilities are open to office personnel. 
most, if not all, of the uh, facilities. Uh, coaches have been allowed in. Um, the NFL is rumored to uh, hoping to have uh, players working out fully by the end of July. Uh, so it's been baby steps, but in the meantime, most of, if if not all, the teams have been doing these uh, you know virtual uh, meetings uh, with with Zoom and one-on-one conversations and and some of the of the uh, uh, talks that we're hearing coming out of the Chicago camp. Uh, Roquan Smith uh, looks good to go. Uh, Cole Komet, who I believe, Wanda, when you were on our show before the draft, said that the Bears were going to draft him, um, has been absolutely spot on with, uh, with his questions and answers in terms of digesting the playbook. Um, Mitchell Trubisky has been working out with some receivers. I haven't heard anything about Nick Foles working out with any receiver. So Wanda, from from your your spot out in California, what have you been hearing? Well, I heard that that Trubisky has uh, practice with tight ends, wide receivers, running backs. So like Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery, uh, he's worked out with them. He's worked out with uh, Demetrius uh, Harris, uh, tight end, and he's. Uh, worked out with Allen Robinson. So, and, and that all sounds great. I, and I'm glad that he's, he's doing that. Um, it's more of how much has he uh, worked on when it comes to, you know, footwork, when it comes to um, just even reading defensive plays. Has, be, has he been studying a lot of the games last year and the previous years and putting all that all together? which kind of puts in the segue with Foles, being that Foles is a veteran player, being that he already knows Nagy's system, um, you know, I'm not sure if it was just planned that way that he's not able to uh, practice with these players. He doesn't have that rapport with them yet and just waiting for training camp uh, to get that done. But I think uh, I think this is more of a, a really nice solid that the players are doing for Trubisky to give him a chance to compete and and uh, uh, at least look competitive against Foles. Um, but I haven't heard anything as to why he hasn't yet, so I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if he's moved up here yet, to be honest, in terms of Nick Foles. I mean, uh, I'm sure that they've been looking at houses and things like that, but I imagine that moving your family or, you know, even just yourself and, you know, whatever the case might be, is going to be difficult during these times. I know that he, um, I read that he sold his house in Florida, uh, but that was back in April. so I haven't been able to find anything about him buying a house here yet. Uh, so that could be the reason. It's just that he's, um, quite frankly, not in the area. Uh, he might he might just be down there and all the other players are already up here. But I don't know. We'll find out soon, I guess. Um, one of the, the other rumors that has come out just within the last 48 hours is the uh, the NFL owners and the Players Association 
have been talking about eliminating the first two preseason games uh, in August, uh, primarily in order to, to get medical protocol uh, for COVID testing ramped up for game days. Uh, what have you heard about that, Wanda? I, I heard the same thing, um, pretty much that, that was the, they wanted to make sure that uh, all the facilities and the stadium for the safety of the players, all the personnel in and out of the buildings, in and out of the locker rooms, um, it's coming in. So they're going to have the same type of uh, scanners that, um, you know, we've seen in different uh, businesses where they check the temperature uh, that, you know, as they enter into the building and just making sure that if there's even a slightest cold or whatever, they want to make sure that um, that the players are protected. So it's funny you mentioned that because actually um, this morning I had uh, a dentist appointment that I had canceled twice previously because of the the COVID pandemic and I, I can't even go inside uh, the dental office and wait. You had to wait in your car until you were called, say, please come up to the door. The, they, they gave you a couple of questions over the phone that you had to answer about your health. Um, and then once you got inside, they took your temperature. Uh, my biggest concern was over the weekend, I got sunburned pretty badly, especially on my forehead. And uh, they said, you, you don't worry because the, the, the temperature probe actually takes your interior body temperature. And I came out with a 98.3. So uh, uh, it, it's good to note, uh, which is way too much information for everybody on this podcast today. But uh, <laughs> I, I went through my dental exam with flying colors. <laughs> but to, to, your, to your point, yeah, these, these uh, you know, all of these new testings and mask wearings. And uh, one thing, Wanda, I wanted to ask you about was um, about a month ago, I had read something, um, and I think it was maybe 3M, uh, was working with the league to develop a full uh, mask to protect the players all the way down to the, to the bottom of their, their face mask. But I haven't heard anything since on that. Yeah, I haven't heard anything either. Um, I, the last I heard is that they were still working on it. They were still ironing out some um, some specifics, uh, but they hadn't said anything about it, or I don't know if it's in development, but it was something that they said if it came to being, it would be ready for spring training. I mean, not spring training, uh, uh, training camp, and that... Uh, 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 that it would be something would have filters in them. So that's what they were working on, something that they can at least, the athletes work on, work with, without it hindering uh, breathing as they play because they exert quite a bit of energy. Aaron? Yeah, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Nagy talked a little bit about it um, this week, and they talked about how they would be able to 
uh, work around the social distancing rules that are going to be in place. They, you know, with a 90-man roster, they really don't have enough space for um, for what they would have to do in terms of people being six feet apart, you know, for meetings uh, and things like that. So there's going to be a lot of adjustments. I think there's, um, they may, what they'll probably have to do, and this is what they talked about, is they'll have to split up um, and do Zoom meetings, uh, you know, at the facility. Um, and and break up people into different rooms, or they may, you know, just have people stay home, uh, you know, for part of the day and then come together, um, you know, for part of it. I mean, it's 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 going to be an ongoing uh, difficult process. You know, they've there's already been um, you know spikes uh, in in um, COVID. Uh, uh, cases, uh, you know, from states that opened up uh, after Memorial Day, um, you know, in Texas uh, and Arizona, uh, places like that where where they opened. So, um, I mean, there's no real way to get around football players sweating and breathing on each other. I mean, it's yeah. just you, you can't have them playing in scuba suits. Like, it's just at the it, they are going to 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 exchange fluids on some level, um, you know, so, I mean, they're just going to have to do their best. And I think what's going to be crazy is that if we're in the season, um, you know, there might be a time where a really important player <laughs> gets, gets it and is quarantined and it could change the entire season, you know? Oh yeah. Um, I, 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 in fact, I predict that is going to happen in this football season. That that one or at least one important player is going to come down with it and miss games. So, you know, maybe this is a good time that the Bears have two quarterbacks who are who are okay. You know, um, because you never know. That could be the reason that both these quarterbacks see the field uh, the way things are going. Um, but I think it's definitely a shame if they cancel the preseason games for the sheer fact that Nagy finally admitted that he needs to play the players in the preseason games. And now there's going to be even less of them. Uh, and here we are with a with a quarterback competition where we need those preseason games even more. And now we're going to have even less. So. It's, uh, you know, it seems like small potatoes with everything else going on in the world and whatnot, but it's certainly less than ideal uh, for, for the Bears and, you know, for every team. Yeah, I completely agree with you there, Aaron, because that that is a uh, – I, I heard Bruce Arians, um, I read earlier that he – stated that their third string uh, was going to be nowhere near the players uh, just in case for that reason of a COVID-19 situation happening to the quarterback. So they wanted to make sure that their quarterback was ready to go um, and, the, and the practice squad quarterback that, that in the event he's got to step in, he's, he's healthy enough to do that. So I think uh, some teams are going to be doing the same thing. I'm glad you started talking about the practice squad because a couple of roster changes um, start with this season. Uh, first of all, the the roster is still 53, uh, but they expanded the practice squad to from 10 to 12. On game day, you still have to deactivate some players off of your 53-man roster down to 46. 
but you can add two players from the practice squad that don't have to go on waivers uh, and then be re-added to the practice squad after the game. Provided, of course, I believe one of those practice squad members has to be an offensive lineman. So you can dress 48 players for each game. Uh, I wish that for at least this year, because of the COVID situation and because of uh, the fact that um, there might be some players, especially at the beginning of the year, uh, that aren't quite game shape ready. Hell, let's dress all 55 players on game day so you have enough for rotating players in and out of the lineup to help prevent some of those soft tissue injuries that could happen earlier in the season. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know why they won't do it, and it, it has to do with service time. Basically, it's it's the league and wanting to, you know, if players are not really going to play, then they don't want them to get, you know, accrued service time um, and basically get get to, uh, you know, more money faster. Uh, and that's honestly, I think that's the why that's the reason why they keep uh, the rosters smaller and have the practice squads and different things like that. Because to me, it's never made sense with football, the way it is with the attrition, the way it is, you look at college rosters and, and of course they're not paying the players, at least not above board. Um, but they're huge, you know, and they have so many players and it's like, the NFL, I mean, you have, you know, you have games where occasionally it happens where, you know, they have to start talking about who's the emergency quarterback. You know, it's like, why, why can't there be, you know, why can't there be the the third quarterback on the roster? You know, it seems like, I mean, it seems never not too long ago, uh, and you know, we're all old enough to remember this. You know, there there used to be, you know, uh, a Steve Young and a, and a Joe Montana on the same team, you know, and things like that. And yeah. and now it's like you have your starting quarterback, and then the drop off to the backup is just nuts. I mean, honestly, the Bears probably have, no matter who the starter is, the Bears have one of the best backups in the league. I mean, <laughs> it, at yeah. this point, hey, one of the best positions in all of football is to be the Bears' backup quarterback. In, in terms of fandom, yeah, everybody, everybody loves you if you're the backup. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been talking about rumors around the league, around the Bears organization. Uh, are there any other rumors, Aaron, that you have heard that we can bring to the table? Uh, not too much. I just found out they just reported that um, just just now on Twitter that Mitch is going to be talking on uh, Friday, I believe. Um, so they've been they've been doing media days um, with everybody, and uh, Trubisky and Foles were supposed to talk the day after the whole Drew Brees uh, firestorm, and that. Uh, I think that was no coincidence that it was uh, quickly pushed back. Um, you know, it seemed like there were a lot of, and uh, the NFL uh, media dates kind of got scuttled after that uh, thing there to kind of let that cool off and, and uh, you know, not have that be the, the conversation, you know, and of course what's going on with the country and whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't heard too much. Um, it'd be interesting to see uh, what Mitch has to say. He's, um, 
but yeah, other than that, not too many, too many rumors going on. The only other thing that I've seen, which is kind of interesting, is that there's a rumor that Kyle Long could be uh, going, getting back into the league. People are saying it might be the Jets that we're bringing him back, and he has been posting a lot of cryptic posts about gaining weight again. He had he had gotten down to uh, 255, um, you know, from his playing weight of, like, 350 last year at some point, and now he's been gaining weight, and he's been posting about it, and he's back up to 280. So kind of odd that he was, he was, you know, he's on Twitter a lot and he's posting a lot. And then, you know, he's posting about losing all this weight. And then a rumor comes out that he might be signing with the Jets. And then all of a sudden he's posting videos of himself pushing his truck and, uh, you know, videos of his scale saying he's 280. And, you know, all that's like, oh, okay. So maybe, maybe there is some, some uh, truth to that rumor that he could be coming back. Cause I know he, has been feeling uh, very good, you know. It'd be interesting. Wanda, what have you heard rumor-wise around the league? Uh, well, the only thing I, I heard was uh, that uh, Eddie Pinheiro has really been uh, out there um, practicing quite a bit of his kicks. As a matter of fact, um, he, he was uh, uh, using a... It's a um, that's what's what called. It's a it's a company called Simple Kicking, and they actually have this device that it's it's almost like it's a field goal post inside a field goal post. And so it, what it does is it narrows the kicking area, and and it calculates and analyzes their kicks. And so Pinero has been practicing this. Uh, to kick more accurately straight down the middle and has increased his kicking performance by 25%. So they said that a lot of kickers have been using this um, in different uh, colleges such as, um, you know, Ohio State. Uh, I think Dallas actually used it as well. Cleveland Browns have used it and uh, it's, it's helping them increase the performance to, uh, up to about 41% of their kicks. So it'll be interesting to see because since they got another kicker, um, now there's a kicking competition as well. Pinero's, um, you know, he's he's going all all at it to make sure that he keeps that, that job. Back when Robbie Gold was the kicker for the Bears, uh, and and of course uh, I've I've been going to Bears games since I was seven years old, but um, one of the drills that Robbie used to do is he would line he would take you know that little tripod that so you you could stand the ball up without a holder, mm-hmm. and he would take the pylon out of the far corner of the end zone. And he would place the ball at the corner of the end zone and he would kick to the upright and try to hit the upright, uh, which is, of course, dead center. Uh, and, you know, he, he would do it, you know, maybe two out of five times and just miss on the other three occasions for the most part. I used to love watching that drill, even though it was, you know, it's like, who cares about the kicker? Well, obviously we know how important the kicker has become to the Bears organization over the last few years. 
You know who else was really good at hitting the upright before it became a painful experience? Yeah, let's not let's not go. <laughs> I'm just saying, Cody Parkey. Cody Parkey would love. He loved that drill too. He was he was a master of it. <laughs> I was I was at I was at the Jets game in 2018 when he hit four uprights. They should have. Uh, I'm not gonna. I digress, but they should have been looking for a kicker from that moment. <laughs> yeah, but whatever exactly. <laughs> that should have been you know, <laughs> like, yeah, the, the, you know the sad part about this whole thing with uh, with Cody was the last kick of his career was actually partially deflected so it actually is in the in the books as a blocked field goal well didn't and, he come, came back briefly last year didn't he did he have any kicks he, he, he signed with the Titans for like a minute I yeah. thought well, I was I was talking about his Bears career. And oh, I don't know okay. I don't know what he did. I I do I do believe you're right. He he was on the uh, Tennessee roster for like a game or two. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he had any kicks. Yeah, he had some kicks and they were clean kicks. No, but the but this pre-game routine that Robbie had, I thought it was fascinating watching yeah. him try to intentionally hit the upright but he was hitting it from the side. And when you figure with the uh, goalposts are about 17 feet in, um, in, in between the uprights and the center of the field is about 26 and a half yards from the end line. So that's about a, you know, that's about a, a 20, you know, it's only 24 yards, but to get it to almost hit the top of the goalpost and hit it dead square, it was it was a pretty good exercise. Well, yeah, and and uh, people forget that Robbie wasn't like amazing when he first started out. Like his, his numbers, if you go back and look at them, they barely ever let him kick it uh, more than fifty yards. And you know he didn't he didn't start really getting great until his second third year. So I, I I'm hopeful for Pinheiro. I think that uh, I think I'm I'm glad they brought in another kicker because that's what you should do. Um, just like we're supposed to be drafting a quarterback every year, but we never do. But, um, but you know, there's no reason to make him feel comfortable yet, but also I feel like I, I think he has the right mental makeup and the leg to, you know, to, to continue to develop and be fine. Robbie Gold's first season as a bear was way back in 2005. He only converted 77.8% of his kicks. Yeah. You know, he he, um, he kicked for the his best year was in 19, I'm sorry, 2016 when he actually kicked for one year for the New York Giants. Uh, he only had 10 attempts, but he nailed all 10 for 100%. He was 97.1% in 2018 for San Francisco. Uh, he fell back to only 74 percent um, in 2019, but uh, it doesn't look like he only played in 13 games. Right. Uh, so, so he he was fighting some some injuries. Right. Um, you know his his last year in Chicago uh, was 84.6, but it was the year prior to that. Right. Uh, which kind of led his ticket out of town. He was only at 75% of his kicks. 
Uh, it, but he was battling some injuries that year as well. Uh, he and he only what he only attempted 12 field goals the entire year. Right. So yeah, I mean, I think you know, this just speaks to I think that that Nagy is true to his word that there's going to be competition at at nearly every position. I mean, there's not there's not competition, you know, at the defensive line for Khalil Mack, but. But most every position, there's going to be some competition. So Yeah, and we're going to talk about the defense in the second half of our show. Um, but one, one, uh, one thing I want to get your opinion on, um, and by the way, if, if I recall correctly, your mock draft correctly picked both uh, Cole Komet and, and Jalen Johnson at coming to the Bears in round two. I know. That's just bizarre. <laughs> I never well, get it right. That's okay. That's congratulations. Uh, to, Thanks. I mean, Jalen Johnson kind of was a name I wasn't very familiar with, but after reading about him and listening to him talk, uh, I'm just super excited uh, about the pick. The question I have for you is this: based on the limited draft capital that the Bears had going into into this year's draft based on the limited cap space that they had going into free agency. Uh, Ryan Pace pretty much addressed every position of need on this roster, except yep. for the punter, which I don't even think is a position of need because Pat O'Donnell has been very adequate in his career with the Bears. I wanted to get your opinion on what Pace did this offseason, both in the draft and not only free agency, uh, but undrafted free agents as well. They checked every position and looked at which players were going to make an impact at the get-go. Um, high caliber uh, players that are going to make uh, uh, just an incredible impact on defense, on offense, and in special teams. So I think he really nailed every position to just make a statement that he he knows this is his last chance um, at, at getting this right. You don't go from a 12-4 season and then to an 8-8 eight, eight and looking, uh, looking ridiculous at the 100-year celebration that was just not even close to a celebration. So to go in this, this year and say, okay, we need to get back on top and we're going to do it with, with everything we've got to get it going. And I think that's why he also addressed the, the position of quarterback with Nick Foles. They needed, uh, a, they needed to get it right all the way around, and I think they got it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think this was a good draft um, for Pace. Uh, I, you know, I know there was lots of, and we've talked about this quite a bit, but it, uh, on our show, um, I know there was a fair amount of uh, sort of consternation about Komet, but you, you, you can't say that, I don't think there was any bigger need than tight end on the on the Bears last year. And so, you know, to go out and get the hometown kid who also happens to be the best tight end in the draft, I mean, it's not like they traded if they trade if they had traded up to the to the, you know, twenty picks ahead, then maybe you could say something, you know, but they they, they he was patient. I thought Pace was patient and he showed some experience from his previous uh, mistakes and yet yeah. he was also he also still 
showed who he is, you know, and getting back into the draft, you know, and moving up to get Gibson and moving up back in to get um, Mooney. Uh, and I just thought, you know, it was good. I mean, I think I don't think a lot of people were expecting them to get a cornerback um, of note because I think the cornerback draft really fell off uh, pretty quickly um, in terms of talent. So for Johnson to be there and for them to get him at 50 was uh, was a coup. And then, you know, everybody was kind of salty that they weren't getting K.J. Hamler or a similar type of player. And then Pace comes back with Mooney, who basically is, you know, he's he's the next best thing to K.J. Hamler, perhaps better in the speed department. So um, I thought, you know, I thought he did a nice job. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm not 100 percent sure that he shouldn't have taken a, a quarterback um, in the late rounds, I still would have liked to see them maybe go after uh, Anthony Gordon, um, right. but whatever. I, I guess I can live with that. I think the two uh, linemen, one of them might end up, you know, they'll probably end up on the practice squad, but um, I think those guys are interesting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought Pace showed restraint and showed progress. And I think that, uh, like you said, these guys are, are going to be contributors, and, and that's really what you need, um, you know, is guys that are going to be uh, get some playing time. And, you know, I, I was a, it was a surprise to me that they were going to flip the cornerback position to an area of need to one that I think is, is you know, almost uh, you'd have to say it's a, a position of strength right now. Yeah, exactly. I think when you take a look at what Pace did, uh, you know, he he spent some free agent money on some um, second chances with you know, with the likes of, of Efedi uh, and another guy on the on the uh, offensive line. Springs. Um, yeah, that's the guy. And uh, I, I I loved I loved those picks in the middle of it with with Mooney and with Gibson. Uh, I think I I'm excited about both of those picks. Um, then they addressed the offensive line and in, in, at the end of the draft. Uh, and you know this this kid, the the last guy that they drafted, uh, the one that they call uh, Pig. Um, uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Yeah, that's the guy. He yeah. just has this. He's you, when you watch the film on this kid. He's got a little bit of a mean streak to him that we kind of lost when we lost Kyle Long to injury because he was the only guy on that that team that really had that that tough edge that quite frankly I thought we missed the second half of the year. Yeah, I mean hopefully he can get it. He, I mean I agree with you. He, he plays mean. Um, hopefully we can uh, and get get that attitude on the line. Um, they seem to be fairly confident in Juan Castillo to bring a different style and attitude to things. So hopefully that is the case. And we see, uh, we see that, you know, uh, yeah. still, it's still a pretty patchwork <laughs> line at this point. Um, but, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. We will see. Uh, here on the Halitech Hall Show, we are joined by Wanda Whiteman from Arthur Football. We're going to take a little time here to shift gears about what is happening 
in the country and, quite frankly, around the world. Everybody knows about the, uh, uh, the tragedies that have taken place. Uh, and we can't avoid talking about it. The you know, George Floyd tragedy, uh, there's been other tragedies around the country. Um, it has really sparked a movement, especially by sports teams, sports pros, sports owners, uh, that that we really need to see in this country. And, and it's, it's great to see it get started. Uh, it's a shame that it took this to make it happen. Uh, you know, one of the things that we hate to see is anytime uh, a tragedy occurs, uh, and if it's and it's a, an affront against a particular race or a particular creed, uh, when protests happen, there are a few bad apples that take that time to act out in anger and destroy other people's property. And we saw that with with this movement, with the uh, Black Lives Matter, with the George Floyd tragedy, uh, and people started to set things on fire, and they would break into uh, uh, storefronts and loot and steal. Uh, and then after about three days, the protesters themselves started to police the action. There's, there were videos of people taking away uh, metal poles of pe from people that were trying to break windows in storefronts. And it, it finally turned peaceful. And now this peaceful protest has turned into a, a movement with sports figures, owners, star players, uh, videos by entire teams or several uh, very high-profile athletes. We had a problem with with the the flag celebration or demonstration, um, and you know this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer, and he kind of stepped in it because he didn't realize the the gravity of what he was saying when when Drew Brees decided to go against the grain of everybody else and say. I still have a problem with people kneeling to the national anthem. And I'm going to go on record as saying, I understand Drew Brees. I understand what the flag means to Drew Brees. My father was a Marine. My father taught me to stand. My father taught me to stand during the national anthem, even if it was a pregame warm-up. But I understand what it represents to those uh, that have these problems. It does also represent all of America, not just the veterans who have fought and died for the right for people to protest the way they have. So it's, it's an important time in our country that we need to cry out for equality in America, we've opened the world to the focus on equality, and we're all talking about Black Lives Matter again, but in a far more respectful way than we did uh, just a couple of years ago. Ultimately, 
and this is my personal opinion on this, and you guys can can criticize me if you think I'm wrong, but there needs to be a time and a place where we replace the the singularity of a race or a creed or a society that matters to all lives matter equally. With that, I'm gonna I'll give the floor to you guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say a couple things. I think I, I agree with what you said about Breeze. I, I don't necessarily, in a vacuum, I don't have a problem with his statement about his feelings about disrespecting the flag. There's nothing wrong with what he said. It, it just unfortunately was very tone deaf. And here's a guy who was around back, you know, <laughs> on teams, and he actually knelt with teammates, um, you know, as they did in unison at different points during 2017 and whatnot. So for him to sort of still be ignorant to what the the pro, what Colin Kaepernick's protest was about, I think, was just foolish, to be honest. Um, I thought his first written apology was pretty canned. Um, and it was kind of smacked of, you know, I'm sorry that you're offended, sort of. I mean, I think there was some good parts of it, but really the crux of it was, I'm sorry I was misunderstood. It wasn't really I screwed up. Um, and then, you know, his his video thing was better. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, what I think we need to be careful about, and I'm never going to tell anybody how to, how to feel or to act, but is we can't just cancel people or attempt to cancel everybody who doesn't agree. Uh, and certainly Drew Brees has done a lot of good, um, you know, and and for charity and, and different things like that. And I don't think he is the enemy uh, of, of races, uh, you know, of equality or anything like that. Um, and so you saw that with his teammates who came out very strongly uh, and a lot of players in the league came out very strongly and were very upset with him. But they've also come out since and said, you know, hey, we've talked, we've come together. And that's honestly what they need to do. Um, and because I think when you hear when you heard Akeem Hicks talk about how he did not want to do anything for fear of being blackballed, just like Kaepernick, you realize the situation that these players were in during that time. Uh, even Eric Reed and some of the other guys who did show more solidarity with Kaepernick have had similar kind of issues. And no very high-profile players went to the same lengths as Colin did Um to protest, and now you contrast that with the video that was organized by Michael Thomas, and it featured some of the best players in the league. You know, Patrick Mahomes, and you know the list goes on and on and on. All black players: Saquon Barkley, um, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, Michael Thomas, of course. You know, basically being very clear and 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 saying what they want. And I thought. It was smart on Goodell's part to to make his response um, very clear and concise, and you know to to say that they are going to stand with them. I do think it's pretty interesting though that none of the owners who were very outspoken four years ago have have really joined in. I think Jerry Jones' silence speaks volumes. Um, you know, when he was the one who was who was very vocal about 
you know, uh, about a lot of things previous. So it'll be interesting. Um, my big thing about the about the national anthem and the flag at the game is that it was never a part of the broadcast until after 9-11 when the Army decided to make it a commercial. So it, it's not as if the NFL was always – you know, uh, so concerned about the about this appearance of all the players at the beginning of the game having the national anthem on, and it wasn't always broadcast because obviously that's ex that's expensive broadcast time that could be spent on um, you know commercials. But the after 9/11, and you saw that you saw uh, you know uh, America the beautiful being played at the seventh inning stretch and all these different things. Um, but it was a commercial. I mean, that's that's the issue, is that the NFL was getting paid by the armed forces to advertise the armed forces. Um, and so, you know, that's why it, Colin Kaepernick originally started out by sitting down uh, during the national anthem. And then he was advised by, uh, by, a, by a military person to kneel, <laughs> uh, you know, and so that's what he chose to do. And then, of course, it got politicized, and I think, you know, Kaepernick went uh, a little bit in some odd directions, and it made, it, you know, the movement kind of got hijacked. So I, I think what you're going to see is there's going to be very little attention paid to the national anthem in general. Um, if I was the teams, you know, and, and the NFL – I don't know if I would even have them out on the field during it, you know. Um, and, and there was plenty of times in the past where they didn't even used to come out onto the field during the national anthem. Now, that, all that stuff happened before the game. You know, it was like throwing out the first pitch at baseball. There weren't anybody. There was just a few people and, and whatever. Um, so, it, I mean, it, it's interesting. I, I think there's a lot of people saying the right things right now. I, I hope that people back it up with actions. Um, you know, and I was listening to Ryan Clark uh, today on on ESPN Radio, and he was talking about, you know, it's uh, it's easy for a rich man to give you money, but it's much more difficult for a busy man or a busy person to give you t time. So we'll see who really puts time and effort into changing things. Because, you know, honestly, money is, you know, money's money. So we'll see we'll see what, what rubber meets the road and, and how things really go. But, but you know, initially right now, certainly I think um, it's, it's a whole lot different than it was four years ago. One of the more powerful, and this hits close to home, uh, videos is uh, the video – that George McCaskey uh, did with former Bear Sam Acho, mm -hmm. uh, and it was powerful, I'm, and I'm going to play it here. It's only a minute and 38 seconds, but it's well worth it to, to play for uh, all of our listeners. Owners. Players. Management. Union. White. Black. Distractions. Solutions. Differences. Similarities. Fear. Trust. Protest. Change. Legislation. Education. 
form. Justice. Listen. Learn. Compassion. Understanding. Liberty. Equality. Kindness. Empathy. Reconciliation. Peace. Friendship. Brotherhood. Faith. Hope. Love. Love. We made this video because our nation is divided. And the only way we get through this is love. When they got to the last part where they both said love, literally sent chills down my spine, and it has sense every time I've watched that video. Wanda, you've been a silent partner here for the last few minutes, but I, I wanted to get what your point of view is and what the point of view with the equality movement is at our turf football. Um, we're, uh, for our turf football, uh, they are, um, you know, they've, they've decided to stand uh, obviously with, with the movement in, in just protesting injustice. And so they made a, uh, a decision as a company to donate and support the NAACP and Colin Kaepernick's uh, Know Your Rights campaign. So they wanted to, you know, to put, um, you know, something behind what they believe in. For myself, you know, I, I do, I see both sides. Um, I, you know, am one that have, uh, uh, you know, family that are African American. I have family that are of all races, and I have police officers in my family. So. You know, it, it kind of goes all the way around into where you see both sides, but at the same time, it is about um, uh, a life that matters. It's not one that is suppressed. It's it's one that is embraced and one that is supported and um, treated equally. And so, I, and I'm in agreement with you, Michael. When when we need to be a nation of people and of hu humanity. Because it's really, in, it goes down to you know being a human race, uh, a race that is not um, against each other, but supporting each other and building each other up. And it's it's just unfortunate that we do have a society of people that don't think that way. We have a society of people that treat others harshly and and beneath them as if they are, uh, you know, they have much more value. Uh, of their life than those of, of others. So, you know, we hope this is a trend that goes to where we see changes, not only in uh, the police department, in government, you know, in uh, society, uh, and that we're, we're actually helping each other and not just, um, you know, going through the motions, uh, you know, in protests and rallies that happen. You know, we need to see change, and, and the change has to start with each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Our, our motto of the country is what? E pluribus unum. From many, one. 
And that's what this country needs to be. We need to be a country of one where everybody's lives matter. We're going to take a break and hear from our sponsor, TickSplits.com. And when we come back, we're going to get back to Bears football. We'll be right back. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TickSplits.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TickSplits.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TickSplits.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TickSplits.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to TixBlitz.com today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Thank you, TixBlitz.com. TixBlitz.com has provided the Halitech Hall Show with two tickets to the Bears-Packers game January 3rd. All you need to do is follow us on Twitter. If we get to 1,000 followers before that game is played, and as long as fans are able to attend, one lucky follower will win those tickets. If those tickets are not available because of attendance restrictions from COVID, those tickets will be the Bears-Packers game in Chicago in the 2021 season. So again, thank you to our sponsor, TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere, TickSplits.com. Save 5% with promo code TAILGATE, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, all in caps. Any event, whether it's sports, ballet, concerts, Broadway shows, you name it, you can find it all on TickSplits.com and never pay a service fee. Uh, we're joined once again by Wanda Whiteman from Arthur Football. We're going to get back to talking about Bears, and let's uh, let's throw it out on the table. Wanda, who's the Bears yes. quarterback, game one? Game one, I'm going to say Mitchell Trubisky. And why? Uh, I think he is, I think he's going to be the one that is going to start. They're going to see, um, like, he, he's got that one chance. So if it, depending on, you know, how the game goes, if he keeps it consistent, if we win that game, not just by, um, you know, a, a kick, a field goal or whatever, but we actually win w with a good game, they'll keep him playing. If not, Foles will be in by game two or three. Aaron, your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to stick to my guns. I still think it's going to be Foles. I think uh, I think all things point to Foles. Um, and I just think he's the better quarterback. I think he's going to win the job. I think that that's the only way they can go into this is they have to just pick the guy who's better. Uh, it, it can't be about salvaging the investment in Mitch or this, that, or the other. Right? It's they got to win games. And... Um, and I just think Foles gives them the best chance to win. And I keep going back to the fact that there is no tape on Foles and Nagy together. So it's it's mm -hmm. going to give them a great opportunity to put together, you know, some some really interesting things. And I just think that uh, the playbook is not going to be limited for Foles. And Nagy has tried and tried and tried to to get Mitch to 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 be something in that offense and it just hasn't worked. And I don't think Maggie's giving up on his offense. It's not to say that Mitch couldn't be good 
in, in some other offense. But in this offense, I just think Foles is the better quarterback. It's definitely going to be interesting. Um, so we have Mr. Michael, the tiebreaker here. <laughs> and yeah. and um, I'm, I'm going to side with Wanda on this one. I think, I think Trubisky is going to start week one. Um, one thing that teams don't have film on is they don't, we don't know what this offense, how it's going to morph with the additions of uh, flip and laser. We don't know how well the offensive line is going to mesh. Obviously we're hoping that we're going to get immensely improved offensive line play. And, you know, we're going to actually talk a little bit about who we think are going to be our breakout players uh, of, of the 2020 season here in a little bit. Um, but I think that, that Trubisky, um, I, you know, I just, I just like the kid. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm Polish too. So maybe that's why, why I, why I, why I like him as much as I do. Uh, my dad would have loved him. I can tell you that. Hey, because- when when they drafted him, I said that they're going to change Casimir Pulaski Day to Mitch Trubisky Day, and I wanted to believe it so bad that <laughs> that they were someday. This was going to be, you know, to go down in the halls of, of the hallowed halls of Hallis Hall as as the pick, the guy. But well, I can honestly <laughs> tell you that that even though our show was not in existence in 2017, uh, he was not the pick at Hallitech Hall. <laughs> Right. Uh, back back then. No, after um, the I, I didn't want them to pick him, but I, I after the pick I was ready to I was ready to ride with him. <laughs> uh, well, I was I was too. Well, what else? What other choice did we have? Right. You know, you know, Trubisky has been getting a lot of positive vibes out in Bears Twitter. Uh, Trubisky's been. Uh, putting in a lot of work with Allen Robinson, with Montgomery, with Cohen. Uh, you know, as Wanda mentioned earlier in the show, Demetrius Harris has uh, been giving him some some props uh, and saying what a hard worker he has been during these sessions. So, um, well, I guess we're not going to see much of anything until literally the second half of August because it looks like, as we had talked about earlier, um, the first two preseason games are likely to be canceled. So now that puts the game, what would have been game three is I believe they have the San Francisco Giants, which is what their week three opponent was supposed to be. So um, so that's going to be an interesting preseason game because you're going to see a, a lot of action uh, for both Trubisky and Foles during that game. So uh, yep. it's 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 definitely going to be interesting. Next thing on the agenda, let's talk about the Bears defense. I think that if the if we don't have the health concerns that became an epidemic last year, uh, with Hicks going down, with Khalil Mack playing hurt, Trevathan got lost, Roquan got lost. Um, you know, you could just go down the line. I think this front seven could actually be scary good. 
And when I talk about scary good on the front seven, that means that the back four, the defensive backs, could have a hell of a season when it comes time for turnovers. Assuming health concerns aren't as reached the epidemic point that they they were last year, uh-huh. with Hicks and Goldman on the line, Mack and and uh, Danny and Roquan and Quinn uh, as linebackers, that could be just an absolutely terrorizing front seven. And if the front seven is that good, that's going to open up opportunities for the defensive backs to be ball hawks. So I, I'm, look, I'm looking for this defense to be scary good in 2020. Oh, I totally agree with you there. I think uh, I think it was a, a huge, um, a huge plus to get Quinn in uh, filling that that position that we got uh, Floyd out. So I think you've got such a a dynamic defense um, ready to to take on just the league. I I just can't wait to see the damage that they do uh, within our division um, and and then with uh, our our back end players. So uh, which throwing that in there puts into the point that I think Jalen Johnson is going to wind up being the breakout player. I think he is going to be out there uh, as a ball hawk out there with Eddie Jackson and um, you know, Buster Scrine and just the rest of the crew doing what they do best back there. I think it's going to be a nightmare for offenses. I think we, we really got a good chance of being the number one defense again. I like your pick for uh, for breakout with, with Jalen Johnson, um, which really rolls us right into our next segment is is potential breakout players. Uh, and I've got a few on offense, a couple on defense. Jalen was one of my picks. Um, so we'll, we'll start with defense since we've been talking about that unit first. Um, you've got Quinn, Mack, Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson. Uh, any one of those, those four uh, could really have a breakout season. And quite frankly, maybe all four of them could become all pros. Oh, no question. Yeah, I would say maybe Pro Bowl. I don't know about All Pro, but I could say Pro Bowl. Um, I, I think All Pro might be a little, little bit of a stretch, but um, I, I, I like, I, I like them to do well. Um, absolutely. I mean, I think Eddie Jackson and, and uh, Mac are certainly All Pro um, caliber. Um, I would just be surprised if we had that many All Pros on the team, but um, but yeah, I think I think Quinn and Mac together are going to be unbelievable. I mean, Quinn, Mac, and Hicks together—that's that's going to be terrorizing, and you know that's going to, like you said, it's going to make the secondary all the better. So yeah, uh, I I you know it's just it's funny. This is how this is this is the endless uh, situation for Bears fans. Is here we are. Once again, counting on the defense, and so be it. We're used to that. <laughs> yeah. We let, let's let's come on. Let's let's put the money right where the mouth is. The Bears haven't had. It's been defense first. It was defense first in '85. It was defense first in '63. It was defense first in 2006. So that's the last three championship games they've been in. They haven't had a decent offense 
representative of a championship team since literally the 40. Well, except for the except for the the, the 2013 the Tressman era, he actually that that was actually a good offensive team. He they had a terrible they had a bad defense, but yeah, when you let up 50 points in consecutive games, right? You, when in 2010. Um, if Jay had stayed healthy, maybe, but that defense was also suspect. So it just seems like we're, we're better off. <laughs> we're better off just sticking with what we know. I mean, we got so hyped about what the offense was going to be in 2019 and where the hell did that goes. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> so, okay. So now we're talking offense. Um, who's your breakout players on offense? I'm going to throw four names at you. I'm going to throw out Tariq Cohen, Montgomery, Miller, and Cole Komet. Any other choices? Miller, I agree with. Uh, Komet, I, I think uh, Demetrius Harris, actually, um, I think he is um, going to be a, a uh, force to be reckoned with. But I think Cole Komet is, is if, if he plays his cards right, if he does the study, if he does what, what he what I've watched him for the past several years playing for Notre Dame uh, and the way that he can, uh, he reminds me a lot of Travis Kelsey in the way that he uh, will, will just catch a ball that's, that's thrown like a needle in a haystack and he's right there getting that ball. So um, I think he's like one of the few. Uh, Tariq Cohen, I think he's, he's going to come back. Um, and and stop the nonsense that that happened last season. I don't know what happened to him. Um, and then I would love to see, and I don't know if it's going to happen, is Riley Ridley and and see if he shows up and actually plays this season and see what he has. Aaron, uh, well, I think uh, I think we need a quarterback <laughs> to be a breakout player. Um, uh, you know, all I'm looking for is is an offense that can get to 24, 23 points a game. To be honest, is consistently. Like if we can score at least 24 points a game in every game, I think they'll win 12 games next year. Um, but I look for Montgomery. I think I think Montgomery had a very underrated season last year. I think he's he's a he's a very good player. Um, I think he's going to have a, a very good season. Um, I I'm not as sold on Komet being a huge contributor next season, um, just because I do think they're going to end up being in a lot of two tight end looks, and I don't know. I think Komet will end up being uh, the inline guy and so I don't not sure how much how many passes he's going to catch but I think he'll be a contributor uh, I think he'll get a, a fair amount of snaps but I think initially you might end up seeing Graham and Holtz or Graham and Harris a lot more um, in the two tight end looks um, I will say that you know, I agree with you on Miller. I think Miller um, should have, a, if he stays healthy, he should have a a big year. Um, and you know, I don't know what Cohen. I think Cohen's an interesting case. Um, you know, he's going to be in a contract year. Um, you know, he's. <clears throat> He caught 74 balls and and had an, a, a horribly low amount of yards 
with those catches last year because he was constantly put into a no-win situation of catching the ball as a last resort and then having to run out of bounds, which I think he does too often, and then you know a lot of times just well, getting tack tackled right away. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know what to make it, Cohen. I, I, I don't, you know, the question came up this past week and has come up a few times is, do you resign him? I, I would say at this point, no, you do not. Um, not, not unless he's willing to, you know, resign for pretty cheap. Um, just because I think even though he, he has uh, moments of being looking very special, I think that's a type of player that they can, um, they can find again because uh, he just I don't think he took the, I don't think he took the next step and I think he was put into some very bad situations um, and then honestly like I think that's been one of the things that I'm not happy with Nagy about is you know we got Cordell Patterson he's supposed to be this jackknife you know this Swiss Army knife player and what did they do with him? You know, the times that he got used as a running back, it was the, the worst possible times, and it just didn't work at all, and it was so obvious. And, and you know, kind it of was, the same. It Go was ahead. predictable, Aaron. Right. It was when pain, he was on painfully the field, predictable. It, it was. Yeah. And so I don't know. Like, that's what confuses me and frustrates me about Nagy is, and I, I'm not, I don't get into the whole play calling debate because we don't know what play was called, and there's so many checks and, and opportunities for, for Mitch and, you know, people to switch that you don't know what play was called, uh, really. You, could, you think you might know, but you don't necessarily know. So I don't get into the whole play calling thing, but I'm not happy with how this team and his coaching staff has developed the receivers. And I'm not happy with how they've really used the skill position players, uh, to be honest. I mean, David Montgomery was, we were told, a great pass catcher, and they barely gave him an opportunity to catch any passes. And, you know, I felt like there was too many times where Cohen was in the backfield, you know, as a single back. And it's just like, what, why? Like, you know, it just, to me, it's like you should, you should have both those guys on the field, Montgomery and Cohen on the field all the time. And that, that's a, that's a look that's going to give people fits. But too often it was like, nope, <laughs> you know, we're going to go with Cohen as the only running back. And I don't know, it just, it is frustrating, you know, cause I, cause going into 2019, we felt like, look at all this talent. There's talent all over the field and, you know, whims, Played a decent amount of snaps, didn't produce. Riley Ridley could barely get on the field. You know, Miller's hurt. Cohen regressed. Montgomery was solid, but not, you know, not exactly what we thought he was going to be. It's like, is that all because we had no tight end? <laughs> like, jeez. <Yeah. laughs> you know, like. Well, and, like we, and we didn't have an offensive line that could block either. I mean, they almost led the league with almost 10 missed blocks per game on average. Yeah, I mean, that's true, too, but it's like, how is that possible? Like, you know, how do you have Harry Heastand and, you know, a supposed offensive guru and the same guys who in 2018 looked good and now all of a sudden can't play? Yeah. Like, yeah. It was I mean, definitely just, an enigma. You, you, can't tell me, right. you can't tell me that the Kyle Long injury was that. I mean, Kyle Long was hurt in 2018 also. Like, he didn't play much in 2018 at all. In fact, he shouldn't have played in the playoff game. Like he was done <laughs> and they tried to squeeze more out of him 
and it wasn't it, it was a bad idea but like it's just you know it's like how does that happen and i think what you saw was and we've talked about this ad nauseum but at the same time it's like i think it bears mentioning again you just saw a team that was overconfident and thought that they had it all figured out and really thought they were just a kicker away and they weren't and so hopefully this year and then Roquan talked about having a chip on his shoulder. Um, I know Akeem Hicks has a chip on his shoulder. He, you know, that guy, that guy is hungry. Um, I know there's a lot of guys on defense that really want to get back to that top level. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I wish I could really say that I'm, I'm confident there's going to be a ton of out breakout players on offense, but I'm not like, I'm afraid to predict it because that, you know, that was such a disaster. (laughs) You're absolutely right. It was a disaster from top to bottom. The offense was just a disaster. Mm -hmm. Here's an interesting statistic. We talked, we just spent a few minutes talking about both David Montgomery and three Cohen. Of course, David Montgomery lined up at running back. Tariq Cohen, there were times where he lined up as a receiver as well as a running back. Who had the best yards per reception last year? It was David Montgomery. Oh, yeah. Tariq's yards per reception was almost impossibly low. Like yeah. five, seven, 5.8 yards per reception was Tariq Cohen's. Have uh, 74 catches and have that few yards is like impossible. <laughs> yep, yep. And I mean, it wasn't much. It was 7.4 yards per reception for Montgomery, but he only had 25 catches. Well, that's pretty well, good for Mitch, though, because I mean, I don't think uh, Mitch's, <laughs> Mitch's yards per completion wasn't 7.4. <laughs> he would kill for that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, prediction time. Um, on Halitech Hall's uh, Twitter account, we ran a poll, uh, and right before we, we uh, started taping today's show, uh, the poll was, what is your prediction for the Bears' record? And your choices were 11 or more, 9 or 10, 8 and 8 or 7 or less. And 37% of our, of our followers actually said 11 or more 46 were nine or 10. So 83% of our followers thought the bears would win nine or better games this year, which I found to be staggering in light of how many naysayers there are in bears, Twitter, uh, 14% had us at eight and eight, but in only 3% had the team at three wins or less. So, um, Wanda, I'm going to tell you, I'm predicting 11 wins for the Bears this year uh, because their offense has to be better than it was last year. Their defense looks primed to be uh, just, uh, like I said, it's it's going to be a scary unit as long as health prevails. I don't see any reason why 11 wins is out of the realm of possibility, especially when, and I know it's early and you can't talk about, but they have an easier schedule based on the schedule that they played at the beginning of last year. It's an easier schedule. Uh, you look at the bears division, the Packers really didn't do anything to get better. They might've gotten worse by losing an offensive tackle and two linebackers and not giving Aaron Rodgers any weapons. Minnesota had a hell of a draft and Detroit still Detroit. 
So, you know, if the Bears, the Bears finished four and two in their own division, sadly, it was, you know, their two losses were both against Green Bay. You might see it four and two this year uh, with maybe uh, Minnesota winning and, and Green Bay winning a game in the division. So what's your choice? I'm, I'm taking 11 or more. Um, I, I think they, I agree with you that I think they have the weapons on, on all sides of the ball. And I, it, unless it is a, unless you have two quarterbacks that go down in both Trubisky and Foles, I, I, I just see more, um, more of an impact into where now you saw a reflection of what Nagy had talked about and the fact that he had to admit, because he was adamant last last year, he was adamant that he made no mistake on not uh, allowing the starters to play in preseason. Well, now he's he's retracted that and says, yeah, he, he made a mistake, he needs to have them. So I think uh, getting their their feet wet, getting warmed up, and then getting that momentum out. Uh, I think uh, it's it's going to be a much better season than what we saw uh, last season, and, and it's going to be uh, interesting to watch. Aaron? Uh, I said 11. I'm going 11. Um, okay, perfect. So we're all in agreement yeah. there. That's that's yeah. uh, that's <laughs> awesome. You know, obviously, the key to the season is is getting off to a quick start. Um, you know, and there's in this we we have to we've talked about this in in previous shows, Wanda. Um, the I think the league did a great job in flexibility in this year's schedule. Um, in week one, they can if week one needs to be postponed, they can push that to what would be week 18, the week of, of January 10th, and then they would just push the playoffs back one week. And then not have a a uh, a week between the the NFC and AFC championship games in the Super Bowl. In week two, and I'm not I don't even know if you're aware of this, but every single opponent that they're playing against each other in week two share the same bye week, so they can move week two to those teams' bye week. So, for example, the Bears play the Giants at home; they're off in week 11. Uh, the, the Packers play Detroit. Uh, they're both off at week five. So they can literally switch that those games to those bye weeks and, and still have a 16-game schedule with no buys. If they have to cancel weeks three and four, you, you can still have a 14-game schedule with no loss in division games. Every single game in weeks three and four, the Bears do not play uh, or no team plays a team against a, a division opponent. So a lot of flexibility in that schedule. So literally, you can look at uh, Thursday, October 8th being the first game of the regular season when the Bears host the Buccaneers on, uh, on I guess it'll be on Fox and Amazon and, and all those other funky uh, stations that uh, they now have agreements with. But that, that said, the schedule is pretty easy on paper because they play against Detroit that Mitch has had success with. Hell, they even beat Detroit uh, without uh, Trubisky at, at quarterback. 
They have the Giants, who, you know, they could be a different team this year, but they're still a young team. They have the, the Atlanta Falcons, but they have to play on the road. But Atlanta hasn't been anywhere near what they were just a few seasons ago when when they should have beaten New England in the Super Bowl. And then they have two home games back to back against some up up and coming teams in Indianapolis and, and the Buccaneers. Uh, then they have to play at Carolina before the season starts to get tough. So those first five or six games is going to be a real key to see where this Bears team heads. If they can go those first six games, five and one, and now that that 12th man on the field called confidence kicks in, it could be a hell of a season. Absolutely. I don't think, uh, I don't, I don't think the Packers, I think they were a very suspect 13 and three team last year. Uh, I don't think the Vikings got any better. You got Dalvin cook possibly going to hold out. Uh, the lions are the lions. So I don't see any reason why the bears can't win the division. Um, you know, and with the with the playoffs being expanded, I think I think we're looking at a at a playoff team. All right, so I uh, want to thank our guest Wanda Weidman from Our Turf Football. We want to thank our sponsor TickSplits.com. Uh, again, uh, go to our our page on Twitter. F- please follow us. Uh, please uh, share uh, our and retweet this contest that we've got going on. We just need to get to a thousand followers and we will give away two tickets for a bears Packers game in Chicago, regardless of whether it's this year, if the coronavirus and, and, and safety rules and regulations in Illinois allow fans to be in attendance or it'll be the, the game in 2021. Uh, I also want to thank my co-host Aaron Torricelli, uh, who also edits our program and gets us get it gets it out on a regular basis? Uh, my name, of course, is Michael Halitek, and uh, we will be back next week uh, on our regularly scheduled time, and we'll be getting back to our history segment. Next week, we'll be talking about um, a kind of a forgotten man whose name is re- number is retired by the Bears organization, number 56, Bill Hewitt. Uh, which is good to talk about these these beers from the past. So, Aaron, it's been a pleasure. I hope everybody has a great night. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Wanda, for being on. We always appreciate it. And everyone have a great week, and we will see you soon. 